Howdy how, this is Aswi, and you're listening to Brown Men Won't Jump. Ho, 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 my friends! We are back with another episode for the podcast, and today we got a three-man pod for you guys. I have with me AC. What's up, guys? And Aswi. Howdy how. So before we get to today's episode, we would just like to thank everyone who took the time to listen to our first three episodes. We're just so happy to see so much support from everyone so early on. If you haven't already, please check out our first three episodes where we preview all the contenders in both conferences. But first, yo guys, aren't we just so excited to see that the NBA is finally back? Hell yes. Oh it my is. God, I yeah. honestly feel like a kid on Christmas. Like, you know, It's Christmas week, so it's appropriate, but just... All these guys who've been coming back from injury we haven't seen in a while, you know, all these new teams that have formed, just so many storyline from the good teams, the bad teams. And, you know, just seeing some of these guys back who were hurt, like seeing Steph on the court, KD on the court, even preseason, just seeing, you know, John Wall running around. It's just been awesome. I've never been a huge Steph or KD fan, but seeing them on the court just gave me chills it made me excited for everything i love about the nba and i think this year is going to be a lot of fun yeah guys even two months of the nba it just seems like forever like we need to have our daily dose of basketball for sure um we're like crackheads yeah for sure so for today's episode we're going to be calling today's episode christmas wishlist So Christmas, for a lot of us who are NBA fans, is synonymous with the NBA. And we thought, what better way to celebrate than to have our own little Christmas wish list for the NBA? So let's do it like this, guys. Let's have three wishes each. One wish for your team. One wish for the league in general this season. And one thing that if you were for a day, you were just Adam Silver and you had the power to change something about the NBA, what would you change? So, Oswe, let's start with you on that first wish. What is one wish for your team, the Philadelphia 76ers? Yo, to be honest, can I have more than one wish? <laughs> There's so much. <laughs> After all I've been through as a suffering fan going through the process, I feel like I deserve at least 12 wishes. Or, or you're like your own personal genie where, you know, you can always wish for three more wishes after you're done. I'm pretty sure that uh, by the rules that I learned from Aladdin that you can't wish for more wishes. <laughs> uh, um, that's a good one. I, I guess if I had to pick just one wish, it would be that Joel Embiid has a Shaq-esque regular slash postseason this year. In our Beasts of the East episode, I was, I guess you could say, a bit harsh on Joel Embiid. But at the same time, Joel Embiid is like that friend or I guess like a child that you care so much about and don't want to give up on because they have so much potential to be great. But instead, they continue to underachieve. And I do mean it when I say I want to see him succeed. Despite the grievances I've had with him over the years, he is someone I really believe in. He has a great personal story. I mean, dude is one of the best players in the NBA, and he started playing basketball less than a decade ago. He came from Cameroon as a guy who barely knew English, and now look at him. And when you think about Joel Embiid, he has the potential to do something that no one's done since Shaq. He can bring the fun, lovable big man persona back. You know, Dwight tried that, but it just wasn't there. Joel Embiid is a lot more natural with that. 
Yeah, right. It was way too forced with with Dwight Howard. I, I always thought, even when he was back in Orlando, that it just seemed like he was trying way too hard. Yeah, exactly. And and with Embiid, it, it it just comes so naturally. I could see kids really gravitating toward him. Right. It could help influence shifting the league back to a bigger league, which from a basketball standpoint, I personally would love to see. And when Joel Embiid is on, he's one of the single most dominant and electric players in the league. AC, you know, you've been at playoff games with me in Philly when Joel Embiid is going off. And that kind of energy, it just brings so much joy and excitement to the city of Philadelphia. Yeah, and, and Philly is like a true, you know, blue collar city. And they are, they often get a bad rap. You know, now I live in you know, the outskirts of Philly. So I know this, that they, they have this bad rap of, of being sort of fair weather fans, you know, the, the fans who boo Santa, but they actually do really care about their sports. I mean, even in this playoff run, when it was Joel Embiid and a bunch of nobodies basically trying their best against the Celtics, I saw Sixers flags up. I saw everyone watching wearing their shirts. So people here are invested. They want to see success with the Sixers. Yeah, and you're so right about the blue-collar grind in the grit. You know, we get called fair-weather fans, but we were solid fans even through the process. It's not that all we need to see is winning. We need to see guys putting their all. That's the thing that gets to me about Joel Embiid. And I feel like if Joel Embiid really does put his all into it, he can prove to everyone, including me, that he is by far the best big man in the game because of his absurd talent. He has that potential. I'm not saying that he is right now. I'm saying he could be. You know, people say he's not good in the postseason, but I don't think that's true at all. The problem is he's never at 100%. And in a way, he's being slept on because any game that he was fully healthy for or fully available, you saw how dominant he was, how he rises to the occasion. And that's something that if he's just able to get his stuff together, he can really accomplish. I, I mean that sincerely. No, like I, I totally agree. And going back to something you said about like his his story, right? Like it's so reminiscent and it resembles so much of Akeem Olajuwon, who I'm pretty sure is his most like model comparison as that's far as the player goes. Yeah, and his idol, yeah, right? Idol. And it's it's literally like they have such a similar story and he has the potential to be at that Hakeem Olajuwon level. But of course, like the difference between him and Hakeem Olajuwon is just the natural ability to just work hard, like that legendary hard work ethic, right? So I don't know if Embiid has that all together right now, which is why I'm a bit sort of on the fence about him still. I love that Hakeem shout out because not only does he play like Hakeem, they both started uh, their basketball journey relatively late in life, only in their teens. They were actually both guys who played soccer before, and maybe that's, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that leads to their incredible yeah. footwork. Um, so it's, it's, it's incredible that to come from nowhere and, and come to the game late and still develop the kind of skill that he has. Here's the thing. There's reason to be this hopeful. Recently, he had comments in an interview where he was ticked off that Rudy Gobert got an all-NBA nod over him. And he said, I don't understand how Gobert got in if he put up 15 and 13 and I had 23 and 12. And he even said it's debatable that Jokic had a better season than him. If he's at his max health-wise, I feel like he can be more dominant than a Jokic. And he's certainly way more talented than a Gobert. Something like that galvanizes players and really gets them that extra mile. 
Now, as we mentioned before, he recently said that conditioning has been a primary focus. Now, I've heard stories like this before. Like literally every <laughs> offseason. This is the story. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's the same thing with Ben's shot, right? Every offseason you hear, oh, Ben's shot is there. This is his season, right? This time, I feel like that's definitely the case because you even have people like Jackie Mack talking about it. The other thing for me is, you know, he recently became a father. And I feel like that will also cause him to be more mature. I mean, look, man, you won't be tweeting at Riri or uh, partying up at a Meek Mill concert if you got diaper duties when you get home, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so he has something to play for now. He is an example to set. Does he want his son to look at him as some guy who's just a joke or someone who is a dominant all-time great basketball player? I would like to think it's the latter. Yeah, I mean, I think as fans of the NBA, we want to see Joel Embiid bring the dominant big man back. One team that might have a say in that is Anushan's Raptors. And that's a team that stopped Embiid multiple times before. Now, we didn't get a chance to speak about them too much, or really at all, in our, our first Beast of the East episode. But they are a team that last year was considered one of the better teams in the East. They had the second best record in the East. And also, they, frankly, are only two years away from winning a championship. So, Anusha, what's your wish for the Raptors? Yeah, so, again, the, the key thing I'm looking for the Raptors this year is just development. Probably sounds weird, but, like, let's look at it this way, right? So, the Raptors are, they're a mid-level Eastern Conference playoff team. They have two stars in Lowry and Siakam, and you could even argue three with Van Vliet. But, honestly, this year, it's probably not going to be our year. I mean... There's so many talented teams in the East already. Even if we somehow by a miracle make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, then we have to meet, uh, or the, the Finals in general, then we have to meet with some crazy team in the Lakers or Clippers, and I just don't think we have any chance. Um, our best players, like Lowry, getting up there in age, he's getting old, uh, might not even be at the like level that he once was. Uh, Siakam, a guy that we're putting all our chips into, right? Like He needs to prove that he can be the best player on a team and perform in the playoffs. Like if he's not able to perform in the playoffs, like what's the point? You can be a great regular season player, like, like James Harden. And then what does that amount to? It doesn't, it doesn't amount to anything. Right. So we want him to be someone that we can rely on heavily in the playoffs. I, mean, um, I thought he was, I thought he was extremely disappointing yeah. last season. It looked like he, you know, he had an all NBA caliber season and it looked like he could be that guy. And I don't know if it was, the bubble or what exactly happened in the time off between, you know, the season ending and the bubble starting. But he just, he looked like a guy that, frankly, is just not a top-level player in the NBA. I mean, like, the shift is so insane, right? Like, in that that season, he was an Eastern, or not Eastern, but an NBA All-Star starter, right? Like, he went from that to, like, being, like, a role player in the playoffs. Like, it's just ridiculous. And he needs to be the player that we want him to be in order for us to have any chance to compete with a top-level team. Um, Here's the problem I see with the Raptors, though. Even if Siakam makes that jump, it's not like you're really going to be able to contend anyway because you still need to get past KD and Kyrie. You still need to get past the Heat. You still need to get past Philly, potentially, right? So even if Siakam makes that step forward, your other guys really need to develop a hell of a lot more if you want them yeah, to no. be legit. I, I think a lot of it's going to come to, to OG Ananobi's development this offseason. I mean, there was so much positive hype about him. He's extremely talented. Now, two years ago when you guys won your chip, Ananobi was basically a non-factor. 
uh, due to injury. But he has tended to develop quite a bit and has had, by all accounts, an incredible offseason. Yeah, uh, back to what you were saying before, right? Like, I don't expect the Raptors to win at all, okay? Like, I really don't. But again, it's just if he can show that improvement, that's great. Now, to the point about OG, he needs to really pull his shit together because even like last year in the playoffs, like he showed, or like this past playoffs, he showed glimpses of being good, but not good enough, especially for someone that we want to build a core around. Like he was an untouchable for the Raptors for a long time because they really believe in this guy. Um, and it shows, right? They gave him a contract extension um, for $72 million for four years, right? So that's good. It's a good deal for him. And I was really happy with it too. Um, and another guy who's in that core is Fred Van Vliet. Fred Van Vliet got signed uh, $85 million for four years. So between these three guys, it's going. they're the future for the Raptors. That's just what it is. And what I like about them is that they all provide a, a, like a bit different bit different things like OG is like a two-way player uh Fred Van Vliet's a shot creator and like a, a playmaker and Siakam god I don't even know what he is at this point right he's always just constantly changing but that's what I want to see from these guys and that's my wish for my Raptors like even if we don't win this year that's fine let's get into the playoffs let's put up a good fight because right now we're too good to be a lottery team and we're not good enough to win so we're in like purgatory right now well Speaking of teams in purgatory, I think it's time to go to my New York Knicks, guys. No, that that's hell. That's not purgatory. The, the <laughs> Knicks are not purgatory. It's hell. Well, guys, before I get to my New York Knicks Christmas wish, I would like to take a brief second to make a hot take about the Knicks. Hot take alert. That honestly never gets old, man. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. So here's my hot take, guys. The Knicks had a solid offseason. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> no, wait a minute. Let, let, me, let me be clear, guys. They didn't actually add anyone good. I mean, we're <laughs> the Knicks. You know, that's, that's you know, a bridge too far for us. But we also didn't do anything inexplicably bad. <laughs> and when you had the last two decades the Knicks have had, that alone is a hell of an accomplishment. Now, like, let me give you an example, right? Just last season, we thought for some reason that it was a good idea to have 17 power forwards who couldn't shoot on the same team. Like, imagine an NFL team decided to sign a whole team of left tackles. That's basically what we did with, with <laughs> our offseason. And that's one of our more decent offseasons. And, you know, coming into this offseason, we had something very precious, cap space in a league full of teams that don't have any. But, of course, I was sure that we would waste it all on someone washed up. Because the Knicks are just famous for blowing their load on washed-up former stars. I mean, think about, like, the injured Penny Hardaway or the fat Steve Francis. I mean, literally, I could go through a whole list of them, but it would probably take up an entire podcast. And maybe that's one we should we should do one day. Uh, so, you know, the rumor starts going that the Knicks are going to be interested in Russell Westbrook or Gordon Hayward or John Wall. I was thinking, you know, here we go again. But then we didn't do anything bad. We actually kind of, like, didn't go for these guys and just preserved our cap space for once. And here's my Christmas wish. My Christmas wish is that we be patient and don't make that big splash move in the middle of the season that we just always have to make. In other words, do not go after James Harden. Yeah, listen, he's an elite player in the league and any team will be lucky to have him, but not the Knicks because James Harden, surrounded by a team of power forwards who can't shoot, they aren't winning squat, right? And you know he's like in his 30s. And let's be real, guys. New York City has way too many strip club for the NBA's most prolific strip club patron, James Harden. So please, Nick, please, 
don't sign James Harden. A Knicks fan wishing that the Knicks don't make a dumb move is like a bad kid wishing that his presents aren't full with coal. It seems almost implausible. I'd be shocked if they didn't make some type of move that makes you scratch your head. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like the Knicks are, they're such an anomaly in the NBA that you never know what they're going to do. So I would say it's a nice wish to have, but you know, don't keep your hopes up, man. Well, guys, I have a little bit of faith though in new management. So, you know, Leon Rose, the guy in charge now. And for those who don't know, he's the lead basketball agent for the CA, which is the most powerful agency in the NBA. And so he's coming from that to the Knicks uh, general manager job. And we have good evidence recently that teams run by former agents can be very successful. We, we had Bob Myers do it with the Warriors and then Rob Polinka just last year with the Lakers. So, you know, maybe that can help us bring some talent in. And also, it's not, he's not there alone. He's with World Wide West. And if, for those of you who don't know about World Wide West, he's a shadow player in the NBA. Um, everyone in the league knows him. All the players call him Uncle Wes. And the, the, he, what he does, he kind of like gets to know emerging players when they're in high school or even in middle school. And by the time they go to the league, they often join the CAA and he kind of hooks them up as, as they get to the league. So these two guys, Leon Rose and World Wide West, they're as connected as it gets. And my hope is just that we use those connections to attract the right kind of free agents at the right points in their careers. Even if we have the opportunity to get a, a pretty decent player, I'd rather wait and tell them to come in free agency. You know, we're the, we have the garden, we have a great fan base. And, you know, if, if you do it in the, New York, you can kind of just become world famous in another way, right? Like you saw with Lynn Sanity. And even if a good player wants to come to to the Knicks, that's you know relatively young, I think we should still wait and try to bring them in as a free agent, like you know develop everything properly and bring them in with a, a good team around them, so we don't just give up all our assets to get that player, like we did with Carmelo Anthony years ago. You know, a lot of people know that we lost Danilo Gallinari and Wilson Chandler, but I think people don't realize that we also give a pick, a future pick in that deal, and that pick wound up becoming Jamal freaking Murray. Wow. Look, man, if I were you, if I were a Knicks fan, I'd only have one wish, and that's for Dolan to finally sell the damn team so free agents <laughs> actually want to play for the Knicks. I, I try to keep it a realistic wish. <laughs> All right, guys, so we did our wishes for our teams. What's a, a wish that you have for this upcoming season, for the league in general? Alsui? Honestly, there's only one wish I could think of that, above all else, I just I just hope the NBA is able to navigate around the COVID-19 situation. I totally agree. If, if you think about it, we already have a shortened regular season after a very short offseason. And as you saw in opening night, coaches are playing 10 or 11 deep and resting their stars as much as possible. And the only way for us to have a great playoffs because of this truncated season is if all the stars are healthy and well-rested enough to go. Typically, I'm not a fan of resting stars, but this year I think it's warranted because I want a good playoffs. But if guys are getting COVID left and right, then you start chipping away at the bench depth. I mean, look, we already lost Klay Thompson this season, and we simply can't afford to lose more stars. Well, look, also, yeah, I, I totally agree with what you're saying, right? Because, like, when we look at the bubble, just the idea of the bubble itself, it, it shouldn't have happened. And, like, even professional sports itself, it's a huge topic for debate, whether it should have came to fruition given the global pandemic, right? So, that being said, the NBA especially, during the bubble, did a phenomenal job at handling the situations where players may have to make sure they were following protocol and staying safe, right? And they had zero tolerance for guys who would break protocol. Like, and we saw that with Daniel House, right? And uh, other players, right? So I think that another key thing to note is that at one point, there were no cases in the bubble. 
which is great for the NBA. And I think that the initiative that the NBA does in making sure their players follow COVID protocol is very important. And I think, especially today, right, we saw it with, as of the day as we're recording, it's December 23rd, uh, there was a statement that the Rockets made that they wouldn't play John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins and some other players because they had to follow in some COVID protocols themselves. So, and that's also because of James Harden's whole strip club speculation thing, right? Like, it's just ridiculous what James Harden is doing right now. But I totally agree with you with how the NBA is handling it and that they should continue to implement strict guidelines as well. Well, and just to clarify, it's no speculation whatsoever about James Harden. I mean, he himself photographed himself in, in, in uh, by Instagram uh, and posted about, you know, being in all these strip clubs. And, and to be clear, like, we, we're not making a morality judgment on him going to strip clubs, which, you know, he's done for a long time and many NBA players do. And that's totally fine. It's just that doing it in the middle of a pandemic when the NBA has very strict restrictions is a problem. And I'm actually a little bit worried about the impact this can even have on playoff races, right? So like, you know, tight the Western Conference was just last season. If one team misses a few weeks, that could totally throw everything off balance. And on top of that, we don't even know what the second half of the NBA schedule is. Like they've only released one half of the schedule, which is unprecedented because the NBA acknowledges there's going to be lots of delays here potentially. You don't even need to look really far. Look how the NFL was affected this year. How many games have been postponed because of COVID? Yeah. This week, week 16, the Lions interim head coach and the entire defensive coaching staff might be unavailable. Now, those guys aren't contending for the playoffs, but just imagine. Think about it, what it does for chemistry. Think about what it does for the health of the players. Will they be able to go in the playoffs if they're recovering from COVID? Because of no, that's time? very well said, Oswe. I think that I think all of us probably wish for that to some degree. So, you know, apart from that, Anishan, what's your wish for the league? Yeah, um, my wish for the league is just that I want all the players who have been injured from last year, those guys like Chris Stops, Jaron Jackson Jr., and especially players that are coming back from injuries such as KD, Steph, John Wall, Simmons. I just want them to have great recovery to come back soon, but like also maintain their prior high levels of play. Because, again, like, let's be honest, guys. Like, we've seen so many playoff series where there's always, like, one or two guys who are super key and crucial for a team's success, and they're just never available. I mean, Uswe, you definitely know it all too well with Simmons being injured and with Embiid never being healthy. So, like, just imagine how much more fun the league would be with all our top guys just ready to go. Since there's just so much talent around the NBA, and it just gets ruined when teams are injured. It's just not fun to watch. And, again... Like, personally, no matter how much I dislike this guy, I, for one, am super excited about KD, and especially Kyrie as well, coming back, since it gives us this whole new Nets team with so much unknown potential, right? So like, either the must, they're the must-watch team yeah. of the NBA season. Like, I, I feel like I want to watch every one of their games. They're like they're just so exciting, and they're so different, and we, we can speculate about how good or bad they are in a way that we can't with a lot of other teams when we've already seen them, you know? So... And look, right, like, imagine a Nets and Lakers finals this year. Like, it's so oh, up yeah. in the air who is going to win that series. It's just, that that's the, the joy of watching the NBA again, right? Like, with all these players at hopefully at the top of their games and the top of their health just being there, it'll be awesome to watch. Well, that's actually a perfect segue to my wish for the league. And that is pretty simply that I just do not want James Harden to be traded to a team like the Nets to form another super team. You know, I don't care if it's Brooklyn or just anywhere else where it would just like swing the balance of the league widely out of proportion. 
I, I was thinking about the other day, like 2016 NBA final was an incredible high point for the league, right? It had the highest rating since Jordan retired in that finals when the Cavs upset the Warriors. And then what happened? A once in NBA history cap spike uh, occurs and like the second best player in the world was able to join a team that just won 73 games. And after that, it just made the league feel a little pointless, right? Like their margin for error was just too great. The difference between the Warriors and all the other great teams in the past was that like their best players didn't have to be great for them to win. They could have all games and still win. But now with the Warriors dissolving and, and falling apart and, and, and Kevin Durant joining this new team that you were talking about, Nishan, we got like so many teams that have a chance. We, we talked about this in our, our conference previous. There's so many teams that believe that they if everything goes right, they could win the NBA championship this year. And if... Durant ends up leaving one super team to immediately form another super team with James Harden and Kyrie Irving. It really like takes away from his own legacy, in my opinion. And we know the Nets are already good enough as it is, right? We've seen that in their blowout of the Warriors on opening night. And this is our chance to see how great Kevin Durant is, how great James Harden is. Like, imagine if he goes to freaking Philadelphia, the 76ers, and we get Harden versus KD and they're facing other with good uh, superstars as their teammates. Like, that's what I want to see. Just like a league where maybe every team is one to two stars. And we get a chance to see who's really deserving of being crowned NBA champions. Not because of they have overwhelming talent on their team, but just because those players played to their full potential. I mean, just think about the headlines that would come if Harden goes to Philly. Imagine a Sixers-Nets Eastern Conference Finals. That's a matchup of redemption stories. Embiid and Harden want to finally prove themselves in the playoffs. KD and Kyrie, both coming off some injuries last year, but also showing that they could win without a LeBron or a crazy super team Warriors. By having more parity in the league, it allows for better stories to be told, and that would in turn really help with the ratings of the league as a whole. Yeah, and again, the parity is so important because to me, the Eastern Conference this year reminds me so much of like the Western Conference during the mid 2000s, how competitive it was. And all these teams had so many aspirations. You never knew who was really going to come out of the West during those years. It was so much fun. And I'm just so happy to see this playoffs this year, especially with Katie and Kyrie finally being available. And, you know, the Sixers have a good chance. Celtics, right? We have all these cool teams. So it's going to be fun to watch. So then, guys, we all grew up absolutely loving this league. I mean, you have to love a league if you're going to spend time doing a podcast about it, right? So we love the NBA. But let's just say that Santa Claus came to you and was like, hey, I'm going to make you Adam Silver for a day. What's something you would change about the NBA? I think the thing that most fans would change is the regular season. And look, I love my Sixers. But if we're facing weak Eastern Conference teams two nights a week or something, I could probably get away with only catching the final two minutes or the final quarter of a game because ultimately there's so many games that it really doesn't matter. Now, I've seen tons of new formats thrown out there. I was considering, well, what if we have a point system where beating a higher seed would give you more points? There'd be different weights to it. So that way the playoff race is that much more competitive where it really matters if you're beating the Bucks versus the Hawks. You know what I mean? That's a very interesting take, Oswe, actually. Like, I've never heard anyone have some sort of idea like that. Um, I don't know how hard or easy it would be to, like, actually implement into a season, but I definitely like the direction. It reminds me of, like, a video game almost, kind of. 
if you want to take this a step further, let's say we eliminate conference seeding altogether to ensure only the best teams make it to the big dance. Now, obviously, there'll be some revenue loss for some of those Eastern Conference teams that suck. But as far as I'm concerned, revenue is going down regardless. So if revenue is going down anyway, why not entice all of these markets with shitty teams to say, well, you better build a good product. Otherwise, you're just not going to get the viewership that you want. That's something that I've also wanted for some time. Anishan, what's yours? So for mine, right, like it's not necessarily a rule change, but I just want the league to be stricter with a defensive three second rule. Like, guys, oh, I love that one. Please. Can you go on and explain okay. this? There's so many times, I can't tell you how many times in recent years, I've just seen teams get away with the stupid gap and trap defense when a guy gets down on the low block and there's never a 3D second call ever. Like, you'll have these guys come and trap, they're sitting in the paint and there's no resistance at all. Like, there's no call, it's inconsistent, it's terrible. Like, Huge culprits of this exact thing were the Warriors of old, where they would use Draymond as the backline rotator because he's quick. He can get in and out of the, the key really quickly, but he's mainly just camping there what feels like the whole possession. The Bucks with Brook Lopez do this. Even the Sixers do it a ton with their gap coverage. Like They normally gap a lot, and they use Embiid and Ben Simmons as guys who can play in the backline to do this exact same thing too. And like what I hate about this is that it really perpetuates this idea where the league can only really succeed if it's a floor spacing shooting the three ball type of league where teams can just continually get away with playing this sort of defense because now there's no way you can get the ball down to the low block and it just takes away from watching beautiful interior bruising basketball and great post play because again the paint gets clogged up and the defense is always finding a way to just slowly break the rules from the game like the call is just super inconsistent i just wish they were more strict with the rule yeah so to give some historical context to this, it used to be that you couldn't play zone defense at all of NBA, right? I mean, uh, they didn't allow zones. And the reason was they wanted to encourage post play. They wanted to have individual greatness. So like the entire time that Jordan was playing, for instance, you could just throw him the ball. And if someone else was camped out somewhere in any sort of a zone, they'd call illegal defense. They changed this rule to open up the offense to some degree, right? And as a counterweight to it, to just stop people from just standing in the way of, of driving and prevent you know, just clogging the lane up, they, um, they instituted a defensive three-second violation where th- people can't stand in the paint for more than three seconds. So either we have to be in a position where we truly enforce this rule and make it so that, you know, people aren't standing in the paint, or we have to make it so that, um, you know, teams are allowed to play any sort of zone, like a true zone where they're allowed to have a guy standing there. We can't have this in-between thing where teams like the Bucks, a Buck to me are like the, the worst culprit of this in, in last season's play where they just have, they play a drop coverage and their big is just standing in the paint the entire time. Uh, so it's like, you know, they, they and then they like the officials will call it like once in a blue moon and it just seems so random. I, I think that's the thing that has to be changed. Yeah, so that would be my point. But AC, what would be the thing that you would change about the NBA? So to me, the league right now suffers from way too many free throws. And like, I think the free throw is the least exciting thing about basketball. I mean, basketball is something that's at its best but compared to jazz, right? This free-moving, free-flowing thing. And then way too often, we all just sit around and and everyone is just waiting for someone to take two free throws, right? It's just like it drains energy. It's boring. And the other thing is there's an entire group of stars that depend entirely upon free throws for production. 
And I mean, like, James Harden is the obvious culprit, but there are many more, right? I mean, like, Lou Williams on a lesser level, but he's a guy, like, they depend on it. And I feel like the NBA has tacitly acknowledged that this is a problem because in the playoffs, they don't call the same fouls they call in the regular season. So all it's really doing is just leading to more flopping, more uh, situations where players have inflated regular season stats that just go down in the postseason where they don't call these free throws. And I think there's a really simple rule change. I mean, obviously, I think in general, as a fan of the 90s Knicks, that the game should be allowed to be a little bit rougher. But a really simple rule change is, why has the team limit for free throws per quarter not gone up with possessions increasing, right? Like, we all know there's way more possessions now than there were, you know, in the 90s and early 2000s. But it's still five fouls and your team is over the limit. Like, basically what happens is every single quarter... Both teams are over the limit, and that just means more free throws. And once you get to that point, people can do rip throughs and all these, uh, you know, flopping and whatever they can do just to get to the line. And it, and it infuriates me. It's just a simple and obvious change that they're not making. That's such a great point. I can't tell you how many times I wanted to throw my phone across the room because in late game situations, instead of just dunking on smaller people, Joel Embiid would always try to draw a foul to get to the line. It's just like you said about how certain players have that over-dependence on free throws for production. It's not a coincidence that they also don't perform as well in the postseason. Yeah, totally. I mean, as you guys know, I'm a Raptors fan. And when I saw DeRozan do the exact same thing for so many years in the playoffs. That's a great def- example. DeRozan is like a yeah. classic example of He that. is a guy who will cry if he doesn't get a free throw, right? So he was just awful to watch in the playoffs for so many years. So... The pain is shared, fellas. The pain is shared. And, and just to talk about my specific suggestion, you know, you guys remember when the rip-through was a big problem for the NBA, right? So what the NBA said was, okay, if you do a rip-through, you don't get two free throws, the ball gets out of bounds, and it's a team foul. Well, the smart players, what they do is they just wait for teams to get into the bonus, and they just rip through their way, flop their way to more more, more free throws. So it doesn't actually solve anything because, you know, within the first five minutes, actually, check this out, guys. The next time you watch a basketball game, look at what point in each quarter the teams get what's called bonus. That means that they're in the bonus, the other team is over the limit. It's like by the time that eight minutes passes in a quarter, so like by the time the last four minutes are, both teams are in bonus. And it's really rare they're not. Definitely in the last two minutes, they almost always are. So, you know, what's a, if we're, if every single quarter both teams are over the limit, then, you know, what are we doing here, guys? Right. And why are we trying to encourage the least interesting thing about basketball, which is free throw shooting? Yeah, like, again, like you said, the whole appeal of basketball is the up-tempo, high-speed style of play, right? And that just ruins everything about it. I totally agree with your point. It's extremely well taken, and I would definitely change that as well. Well, that about wraps up our Christmas wish list. Try saying that three times fast. Christmas wish list, Christmas wish list, Christmas wish list. It actually is pretty damn hard. (laughs) Thank you all so much for joining us on another episode of Brown Men Won't Jump. You can find us at brownmenwontjump.com, on Instagram at brownmenwontjump, and also on Facebook. You can also send us an email at brownmenwontjump at gmail.com with any questions, suggestions, or if you just want to talk basketball with us. We hope you have a very happy holidays, and we'll catch you in the next one. Stay safe, and happy holidays. Merry Christmas, y'all. Go next. <laughs>